If you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to be looking at this passage here that really is a warning for us to learn from the mistakes of those who came before us. That in the scripture reading that was just read for us talks about how sin leads to death. And in this passage it warns us that this can happen to the people of God. That And it has happened to the people of God. That you have the Israelites who were chosen by God, led out of the land of Egypt, and yet time and time again they fell into sin and did things that were contrary to the will of God. I want to start by reading this passage and then we'll go back and look at the examples, at least briefly be reminded of these examples that are talked about in this passage that Paul is warning the brethren in Corinth and warning us today, do not fall as they fell. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers who our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now these things happened as examples for us, so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. And then we'll go through the rest of these as we go through the lesson. But he begins by saying that there are parallels between us today and the Israelites that we read about who lived under the law of Moses. We read about them in the New Testament. There are several examples that, or several parallels that we have between them and us that they were delivered from bondage in Egypt. It mentions that they were they passed through the sea. They were baptized, in a sense, into Moses. Baptism is a burial or an immersion in water, which is essentially what happened. They were completely covered over with water by the cloud that was over them and the walls of the sea that were around them. And so, in a sense, you could say they were baptized into Moses. They ate the same spiritual food God provided for them. The drink that they that they partook of, the spiritual drink, drinking from that rock which followed them, which was Christ, that there was a, a fellowship that was there, a closeness that was there. All of the advantages that they had, and yet, verse 5 says, with most of them, God was not well pleased. For they were laid low in the wilderness, or they fell in the wilderness in the wilderness. They died in the wilderness because of their disobedience. So he says in verse 6, these things happened as examples for us. And then he lists several things that they did as the people of God, as the ones who were the direct beneficiaries of everything that God had done, leading them out of the bondage of Egypt, leading them to the promised land, and yet they did not reach the promised land because they were not pleasing to God. What is, or what do we learn from the example of those who fell in the wilderness? Those who, it says in the New American Standard, were laid low in the wilderness. What do we learn from their example? The first thing is there in verse 6. 
these things happened as examples for us that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. For all these other points are going to be certain things that certain events that are alluded to and we'll look at those events. Here, this is just the general fundamental problem that existed that really led to all of the others. They did not crave what they should have craved. They desired the things that that God did not want them to have. They craved evil things. And so Paul says here, do not do not crave evil things as they also crave. <clears throat> the passage that was read for us in the scripture reading talked about how lust, when lust conceives, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is full grown or sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. We understand the point that sin leads to death, but what is it that leads to sin? Well, it's the desire that we have to sin, that we will not overcome sin if we don't overcome the desire to sin because we're just going to keep going back to it. We're just going to keep falling for the same temptations that we've given into before. We're still going to we're still going to to do those things that we've done before because even though we might know that they are wrong, we desire those things. I remember reading one time about about what are the ways that you can break a bad habit. And the article wasn't it wasn't talking about this from a spiritual perspective or overcoming sin or things like that. It was just talking about, you know, breaking bad habits of, you know, maybe it's eating the wrong things or or whatever it might be. And one of the things it talked about is that you have to disenchant the habit. Basically in your mind look at it for as terrible as it is, as bad as it is, and, and where it's not this some enchanting thing anymore, well, look at this, you know, how much I crave this donut or, or whatever it might be, or it could be, you know, wasting time surfing the internet rather than working. Don't look at the pleasure that you get from it or the, the thing that you, is the positive outcome that in your mind, is, but instead look at the negatives that are associated with. Look at everything that, that is bad about it. When we consider sin, we should not be thinking of, well, what is the good that comes from it? Or why is it that, what is it that we desire from it? Or why is that so tempting? Look at how, look at all the negative aspects of it. Look at how terrible it is. What, it takes time away from the things that we ought to be doing. It puts us in a wrong standing before God. It hurts our influence and all the all the negative things and for different sins there'll be specific things on that but look at all of that and say that this is not something that we should desire. This is not something that we should want. But we take away the the, the enchantment of it where we're looking at it as some some great thing that we desire. But we look at it as the negative thing that it really is. If we're going to overcome this desire here in verse 6, we need to instead change our desire to focusing on what is good and what is right. Colossians chapter 3, Paul said in that passage, he's writing to those brethren, you have to make sure you're focused on the right thing. You have to make sure that you are focused on what is good and what is right. He says in Colossians 3 and verse 1, Therefore, if you, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, 
seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above and not on things that are on the earth. Do not focus on the things here. The passing pleasures of sin, as Hebrews 11 talks about, focus on those things that are eternal. Because again, those things that are sinful, those things that are evil, any good that we might say that we get from that, that only pertains to this life. It's not anything beyond that. And even when we recognize that, we could still look at all of the all of the negative consequences of it too. It's what was mentioned before that we kind of disenchant that practice or that sin in our minds. We're we're not looking at what we might describe as good or why why we want to do it, why we desire it. We're looking at all those things that are negative, but it is passing. It is fleeting. Paul said here, you've been raised up with Christ. So you set your mind on things that are above. Focus on things that are eternal, on those things that are spiritual. Those are the things that we need to desire. And if we fail to fix our minds like this, where we are looking at what is good and we're focusing on that and we're still longing after what is evil, we're going to keep wandering off and going after those things that are evil. Even though we know what's right, we know what's wrong, but we haven't overcome that desire for those sins. So he says here that here were these people. They were let out of bondage in Egypt. But what did they want? They wanted to go right back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to those things and and they craved those things that they had there. Do not be like them. Instead, we need to desire what is good and what is right. The next thing we see here in, in verse 7, it says, Do not be idolaters. As some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. This is an example of what happened over in Exodus chapter 32. As we look at look at that chapter, that we have the example of the of the golden calf that was created for the people. As they were thinking, oh, well, what you know, we don't know what happened to Moses. We have to have some <coughs> God that we're following, we have to have something that we can see. So in Exodus 32 and verse 1, it says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring those to me. Then all the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took from the or took this from their hand and fashioned it fashioned it with a graving tool and made it a molten calf. And they said, "This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt." Now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, "Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord." So the next day they rose up early, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That's the part of the passage that was quoted by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And there in verse 7. But you see what, see what they did here. And they had left Egypt. They went to Mount Sinai, which was the place where they were going to be given the law. God was going to give them the law to tell them how to 
they were going to conduct themselves, how they were going to live before him. So this was not long after they left Egypt. After they saw everything that God did with all the plagues and everything that happened in Egypt, convincing Pharaoh that Pharaoh needed to let the people go, well, they, they finally are able to leave. And they get to the Red Sea and the Egyptian army is pursuing them and then they think they are trapped there. Well, again, Paul, what Paul mentioned was that they were baptized into Moses through the sea under the cloud that was with them, completely surrounded by water. They pass through the Red Sea on dry ground. They get to the other side. The Egyptian army is pursuing them and after they get on the other side and the Egyptian army is still coming, the waters close back in over them. The Egyptian army is destroyed. They saw the enemy dead on the seashore. They saw all of this. They travel from there to Mount Sinai and they're told to prepare there that God's going to, God's going to appear to them. God's going to speak to them. And then Moses goes up to meet with God. And receive the law. Well, now they're waiting a little while. And Moses is still up there. And they say, well, Aaron, you need to make a God who's going to go before us. Because we don't know what happened to Moses. Aaron's the first problem. Was that they weren't thinking about God. They were thinking about Moses. <clears throat> we don't know what happened to Moses. He's the one who led us. And so since Moses isn't here, we need to have some other golden calf. It's almost as if Moses was their idol before. That he was the one that they were following. But now that he's gone, well, we need, we need something else. We need someone else that we can follow. So the Aaron, not wanting to rock the boat and stand up to the people, he tells them, well, take the gold rings which are in your ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. The gold that they had gotten from the Egyptians, that God granted them favor, and were able to ask for these things. The Egyptians gave them to them before they left. They plundered the Egyptians. They went out of Egypt with all of these things that the Egyptians just freely gave to them. Well, now they're going to take all of that. God had provided that for them. God had blessed them with that. Well, we're going to take that. We're going to melt it down and we're going to fashion this golden calf, this molten calf, and we're going to worship this and, and say that this is the God who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. This is the one who did this, not the God of heaven, that his servant Moses was leading them and they crossed through the Red Sea. We did all this. No, now it's going to be this God. You see how quickly they change their minds. How quickly they can, they can be led away from what is true and what is right. And so Aaron makes this. He says, we're going to have a feast tomorrow. And they're going to get up early, offer burnt offerings, peace offerings, and do all of this. <coughs> and it says there in verse 6, people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul brings up this example. It says here that they were idolaters. 
they set up this golden calf. They created this golden calf and they worshipped it. They offered sacrifices to it as if it were a god. As if that calf that they made out of the gold that they melted down from the these the gold in their earrings and all these things, as if that supposed god was what did all these things. They were delivered out of Egypt. They passed through the Red Sea. They ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink from the rock that was provided for them. Everything was given to them. Now we're just going to pretend all that didn't happen. They say, well, this, this calf is providing for us. This calf is, is leading us. We can look at this and see how ridiculous that is. Idolatry is ridiculous. Idolatry is something, logically speaking, it does not make any sense. But people practice idolatry. And it's not just, when we think about what happens today, it's not just what, what they did in creating some golden calf, but it is where they put some, people today will put something in place of God which could be their careers, it could be money, it could be possessions that they have, it could be relationships that they have, or family, we, we can put family ahead of God. Anything that we put at an equal or higher level in our lives and our priorities over God, then that's become an idol for us. And it leads us, and even though we, again, we might logically think, well, we know God is, you know, God is God, we need to serve Him, and we look at, well, it's, it would be silly to put family over God or to put our jobs over God or to put money over God or whatever it might be. It would be silly. It would be ridiculous for us to do that. And yet, so often that's what we're tempted to do, where we put these things that that we, you know, and a lot, a lot of times they are good things where jobs or families or things like that, those are good things. But we put them in a place that they don't belong, where God needs to be at the head of all of this, because otherwise it leads to, verse 7, the people sat down to eat and drink and they stood up to play, which is a statement that means they disregarded their responsibility before God. They set all of that aside and they did what they wanted to do. <clears throat> Idolatry happens when we put other things ahead of God. And we forget where our allegiance belongs. The way that we overcome this is by recognizing that only God is worthy of that place, of that position, where He is being worshipped, that we are devoted to Him. And we don't put anyone or anything in that position. Over at Exodus chapter 20, you have the the Ten Commandments that were given. And these began by, with this foundation, that you remember who God is, you remember what that means for who He is, and what that means as far as how you respond to Him and how you treat other things. He said in verse 2, I am the Lord you got, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. 
For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. I am the one who brought you out of Egypt. I am the God, the Lord your God. So you don't have these other gods. You don't set these other ones up and you worship them. And it says in verse 11, In six days the Lord made heaven and the earth and sea and everything that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. As he gave the instructions about the Sabbath law. Why did he give that instruction? What was the basis of it? Well, God is the creator. He made all things. Everything that we have to enjoy and everything that we might fashion into an idol is something that God created for us as a blessing for us. But we forget him and we focus only on that material thing or that temporal thing. And we're not thinking about the one who created all of that. Do not be idolaters. Idolaters or idolatry will allow us to do whatever we want to do. Because whatever we think is the what is best or whatever our, our object of devotion is, whether it's money or career or family or whatever it might be, we put that ahead of everything else. Well then that informs what we do and how we behave and how we conduct ourselves. And we'll lead us away from God. We cannot serve both. We have to make a choice between the two. We have to put God first. He is the only one who is worthy of worship. And then let everything else fall in line after that. <clears throat> then the next example, going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I realize now that this is going to be a two-part lesson. This is not all going to get done in... in in one lesson here. So we will we'll cover this point here and I think probably then it'll be time to quit. And then we'll we'll finish this possibly next week or, or uh, at another time depending on if I want to switch what I plan to talk about next week. But anyway, going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the next example, it says in verse 8, Nor let us act immorally as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. If we think about that that number of people, and it mentions there, and some people will point out, as we look back at the Old Testament passage, well, there's a difference in the number here. Well, there's a reason why there's a difference. It mentions the number who fell in one day, and there were more who, who fell, who were killed in total. And so that's the difference when you we look back in the Old Testament, the difference in the numbers. But if you look at Numbers chapter 25, you have the, the Israelites here. And Balak was trying to, trying to get Balaam, the prophet, to curse the people of Israel. Because he was afraid, he thought, he saw them as a threat. He was trying to get Balaam to curse Israel. Israel, but Balaam couldn't do it. He says, I can't, I can't do this. If God's going to bless them, I cannot curse them. And so Balak kept getting angry at Balaam, and Balaam kept saying, it doesn't matter what you give me or what you promise me, I cannot curse them if God has intended to bless them. But they did have a another plan that they were able to put in place that did cause trouble for the people of Israel. Uh, 
And that was by tempting them to act immorally. In Numbers 25 and verse 1, it says, Now while Israel remained at Shittim, the people began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab. And they invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel joined themselves to Baal of Peor, and the Lord was angry against Israel. The Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and execute them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you slay his men who have joined themselves to Baal of Peor. Then behold, one of the sons of Israel came and brought to his relatives a Midianite woman. In the sight of Moses, in the sight of all the congregation of the sons of Israel, while they were all weeping at the doorway of the tent of meeting. And when Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he arose from the midst of the congregation, with, took a spear in his hand, and he went in after the man of Israel into the tent, and pierced both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman, through the body. So the plague on the sons of Israel was checked. And those who died by the plague were 24,000. So here you have the, the people of Israel. They could not be cursed as long as God was blessing them. Balaam couldn't do it. But here you have, well, here's another way we could cause trouble for them. It mentions idolatry here, but there was a specific thing that tempted them to engage in that idolatry was the daughters of Moab who tempted the sons of Israel to commit acts of immorality with them. And this is what happened. And and God was angry with them. He told Moses to take the leaders who are allowing this to happen. You execute them in the sight of all the people so that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from them. Moses told the judges of Israel that anyone who has done this, they are to be put to death, who has joined themselves to Baal of Peor. Well, so all of this has happened, and this has started, where they're executing the people who were involved in this, who have, who have engaged in these acts of immorality. And it mentions there in verse 6, the, the congregation, they're weeping, they're, they're mourning over all of this. And then what happens is you have another Israelite come in in the face of everything that's happened. And he comes along bringing another one of these, these Midianite women into the camp as if nothing had ever happened. No lessons were learned. Nothing, nothing changes and he's bringing her right into the camp. Goes into his tent. And Phineas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, he sees this and he immediately sees the problem. He immediately sees, and he jumps into action. He doesn't wait for, you know, say, well, what do we need to do? How do we need to, to deal with this? He already... Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each one of you, in verse 5, slay his men who have joined themselves to Baal of Peor. And here's another one of these Israelites who has joined himself in that and brought this, the, this woman here into the, into the camp. He goes in there and with his spear and kills both of them. And it was 
at that point, it says the plague on the sons of Israel was, was checked. At that point, that you had, this was this was taken care of, and this was over. That it took that dis- decisive action, where the people that they were dealing with this, they were mourning over this, they were doing all this, but now, here's the test: Is this really going to be a problem? Are you really going to learn the lesson from this? That this cannot be tolerated. They were acting immorally. That's what that's what Paul was emphasizing here. He already talked about idolatry, and that and while that was involved here, that's not all. That's not what he was emphasizing. Verse eight of First Corinthians ten. He says, "Let us not act immorally." They were engaging in acts of sexual immorality. That's what he's describing there. That's what Phineas went to go in and stop when he entered that tent. This is what Paul is warning them about. Do not act immorally. Which, when we think about immorality and, and sexual immorality, that is anything that is contrary to God's plan for for marriage, for sexuality, for what He has designed for us, anything that's contrary to that would fall under this category here. Well, how, how it, can this be overcome? Well, there's a couple ways. One thing that that Israelite who took that woman into his tent, what he should have done, and then what Phineas did do. But the first thing is that we need to, on a personal level, we need to exercise self-control. Over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 3, we talked about this idea of sanctification a little bit in our Bible class this morning. But he said, Paul said here, this is the will of God, your sanctification, <clears throat> that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. <clears throat> that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor not in lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God. That you learn how to control yourself. You learn how to exercise self-control. That if we don't, and this could be applied more broadly than just sexual immorality, but if we don't learn to exercise self-control, then we're going to continue going down the path of sin. We're called to be different. We're called to be sanctified and set apart and that's something that we continually work at when we continually try to become more like what God wants us to be. But also, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, if we're going to overcome this, you look at the example of Phineas and what he did. He, he didn't just mourn and, and cry over what was happening like the rest of the people did. He said, this has to be stopped. This cannot be tolerated. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 we have the church at Corinth. They had a similar situation where you had immorality that existed in the congregation that was being tolerated. In verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 5 it says it is actually reported that there is immorality among you. An immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles that someone has his father's wife. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead, so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. 
Why is it that you have to deal with this? Why do you not tolerate this? Verse 6, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? This influence will spread if you allow it to continue, if you tolerate it, if you just let it go and, and act as if, well, there's you know, no problem, nothing, nothing to be concerned about. <clears throat> this will simply continue and it will spread, whether that same sin or other sins that we justify because, well, so-and-so does that and you know, what I'm doing is not as bad as what, as what they're doing. So surely I can continue doing what I'm doing. Sin will spread and it, the influence will grow if we act <coughs> if we act immoral or if we allow that in the church, it will spread in the church. So we cannot tolerate it among us, but we also cannot tolerate it as we look personally at ourselves, think, well, this is okay, it doesn't it's not really a problem. We need to exercise self-control. We'll have to stop there this morning because we are we are out of time. So we will we'll finish this lesson at some point in the near future. But as we think about the examples of the Israelites, Paul says here these things happened as examples for us. They craved things that were not what God wanted them to crave, what was not God's will for them. They turned away from God in order to worship idols. Rather than acting in purity, they acted immorally. And then other things as we go through this passage that we're going to see, they did not live up to the standard that God had given to them. They were not pleasing to Him. They did not put their complete trust and faith in Him, but instead said, well, we're following Moses, and Moses is gone. Well, now we need a, a golden calf to go before us. Or we're going to join ourselves to these other gods, and everything that is involved in that, we're going to follow after these other gods, and we're going to desire what we want rather than what God wants. We can fall just as they did if we don't guard against what Paul talks about here. So each one of us, we need to continually examine ourselves and, and, and what we are doing and how we are conducting our lives to make sure that we are living in a way that's pleasing to God. As we close the lesson and extend the invitation, we want to invite anyone who is not yet a Christian to become one. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ and you're willing to repent of your sins and confess your faith, you can be baptized into Christ to have your sins washed away. As this passage talked about, they were in a sense, baptized into Moses, well, we are baptized into Christ. <coughs> if you haven't done that, you can do that today and be added to the Lord's church. And if you have done that and have not lived faithfully as you should, but you need to make corrections in your life, then we would encourage you to do that. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.